This week on Thoughtful Mind with Svi, we talk about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Svi. Here's your host, Svi Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Svi. I'm your host, Svi Hilsenrath. I wanted to start by thanking you all. I appreciated all the emails and calls and messages and the in-person compliments and questions about when we're starting again and questions about topics uh, that we've received over the break. I'm going to do my best to address all the questions that were asked over the course of the season. Also, somehow over the break, we hit over 1,000 listens to the podcast. So thank you. There's exciting things coming to Thought Moments to be in the future. We have an excellent season planned and a couple of surprises down the road. So keep listening. This week's Gratitude City is Chicago, Illinois. So thank you to Chicago, Illinois for listening in. All right, today we're going to talk about narrative therapy. Narrative therapy was developed in Australia and New Zealand, uh, mostly in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s by Michael White and David Epstein and has since been expanded on by people such as Jill Friedman. I was taught narrative therapy by both Han Rachel Fruman and Walter Berra. And I wanted to take a moment to thank both those teachers, whom I learned a lot from. Now, narrative therapy is very focused on the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. And it behooves us to start with thinking about what a story is. A story is a series of events linked in sequence across time according to a plot or meaning. So let's let's break that down for a minute. So first we have events. Events are Things that happen in our lives. The things we experience every day, moment to moment, minute to minute. What happens to us? If you think of a book and you think of the scenes in a book, those scenes, each one is a different event. And what happens in a book? Those events, those scenes are linked in sequence. They happen one after another. First this happens, and then the next thing happens, then the next thing happens. But they don't all happen at one time. They happen across time. It would be a pretty confusing book if all the scenes were set at the same time. If everything happened in one moment, it would be incomprehensible. And so these scenes, these events, are linked one after another. They're put in a sequence across time. And in any story, these events that happen in sequence across time have a plot. There's something that happens in the book. There's meaning given to these events. So all the scenes that happen in the book have meaning when connected to the overall idea, the overall story that's being told. And so, for example, if you're reading an adventure story, you usually start off with a hero in whatever form, finding out about a quest that he has to go on or she has to go on, a task that needs to be accomplished. The author then gives you scene after scene of the person going after that quest, trying to do that task. Usually there's difficulties in the way. These scenes are linked in sequence, so one thing happens after another over a course of time. And not everything that happens to the hero uh, during the course of time is included in the book. That would make for a lot of boring scenes. Only the things that are meaningful to the plot, only the things that are meaningful to the story are included in the book. We do the same things in our own life. Part of being human is looking for meaning and order in our lives. In an automatic process, what we do, because our brains hate disorder, our brains hate chaos, our brains hate randomness. And so automatically, we can't stop doing it. And we can't necessarily take control of it in the usual sense of the word, although 
as we'll see, we, we can take some control over it. We take the events in our lives and we create stories out of those events. We ascribe meaning to each of these scenes, each of these events in our lives, according to the stories that we tell. As our lives unfold, we experience a lot of different things. A lot of things happen to us. And if we were just watching a videotape of our life, just the whole thing, it, a lot of it would seem very random. A lot of it would seem very chaotic. In order to provide context and meaning and structure and order out of the chaos, we link some of these events together to create stories about ourselves. We take some of the events of our lives, we link them in sequence, one after another, across a period of time, and create a story that has a meaning, has a plot. One way I like to explain it is if you think about the stars in the sky and constellations. So there are many, many stars in the sky, but we only take some of those stars to link together to create a picture, to create a constellation. And it's the same thing. If you could look at your life as uh, the sky and the stars, all the events happening in it, when you connect some of those events together, you create a story that tells you something about yourself. And what these stories do is they tell us about ourselves. Everything you think about yourself, everything you think you know about yourself is based on your experiences across time that you've put together to create a story about yourself. So for example, if a person believes that they're a caring person, what they've done is they've gone back unconsciously over their life and picked out all the examples where they cared for others and linked them together to create a story where they're a caring person. All those events have meaning. All those events tell that person that they're a caring person. And on the other side of the coin, let's say a person says that they're lazy. So they've gone unconsciously over their entire life and they've picked out all the times when they considered themselves lazy, whether or not they actually were. This is important. Whether or not they actually were, they consider themselves lazy. They linked all those things together and they created a story about themselves of being lazy. And as life continues, other events get linked to this story, making the story stronger or richer. And so if a person thinks that they're a caring person, other events that happen where they view themselves as a caring person in the moment get added to this caring story. And on the other hand, the same thing with laziness. If a person believes that they're lazy, other events that happen in their lives where they view themselves as lazy, where they have ascribed the meaning of this event as something that's lazy, adds to that story of laziness. And other events, events that would support a different story or that are contradictory to the story that's being told, are ignored in order to support the main or the dominant story. When I talk about stories, sometimes people ask me if this is the same thing as schema, the idea that the more I experience, the greater my understanding becomes. And it's a little different because schema takes everything into consideration. While the stories we tell about ourselves, these dominant stories, are naturally selective. They give privilege to some events and they ignore other events. And so, for example, if a person believes they're a caring person, they'll ignore the events in their lives where they were not caring, where they did not care for others. And those events will be pushed aside to give privilege to the events that add to the caring person's story. Now, it's important to remember that the things that happen in our life, the events in our lives, are just that. They are things that happen to us and with us or things that we do. It's we that give those events meaning. We give the events in our lives meaning.
And so two people can do the same thing or two people can experience the same event and one may give that event meaning and the other not. Or something that happens may not have meaning for us now, but looking back later on, we may find meaning in it. As stories develop and as stories change, the meaning that we give to the events of our life also change. And so, for example, I might be talking to a client about their parents and something that happened years ago that never had meaning in the past an experience they had with their parents. Suddenly, in the context of talking about their parents, of remembering their parents, of what their parents meant to them, these events suddenly have meaning when they didn't in the past. And so, for example, I was just talking to a client about fishing trips he used to take with his father later in life when he was already a a young man in his 20s. And in the past, those had just been fishing trips. But in the context of remembering his father, who was no longer alive, those fishing trips took on new meaning. And they took a new meeting because he was telling himself a new story about his relationship with his father. Now, the large stories in our lives are what we call the dominant stories. These stories are the ones that affect how we behave and think and feel, how we see ourselves. Our brain wants to act out the dominant story, even if it's a negative story, because we want to keep that order and chaos and meaning in our lives, we want to continue acting out that dominant story, even when it's hurting us, unless we put effort into changing or reauthoring our story. So, for example, if a person believes that they're lazy, on a certain level, the reason they keep acting in a certain way is because they're living out that story of laziness. Until they put effort into changing that story, trying to overcome laziness is difficult because you're working against who you believe that you are. Until you change that story, until you change that belief, until you change that story of laziness into you are a different person, you're going to be working against yourself. Another example, if a person believes that there's someone that cannot lose weight, that they don't have the self-control or the discipline to lose weight, it's going to be very hard to lose weight. It's going to be very hard to stay disciplined because you're working against what you believe to be your nature. Until you change the story, until you make your story into one of a person that can lose weight, that does have the self-control, does have the discipline, or doesn't need self-control or discipline because you change your story into a person that doesn't overeat, that eats healthy. So now it's not about self-control and discipline. It's about I'm changing my story into I'm a person that eats healthy. Until that happens, you're literally working against yourself because you're working against your own story. And it's important to remember at this point that that story is malleable. It is possible to reauthor your story because you're ignoring all the events that don't add, that don't confirm to your current story. So there are things in your life that have already happened and that will happen in the future that you're ignoring in favor of the dominant story of laziness or lack of self-control, lack of discipline, overeater, whatever it is. And therefore, all my decisions, all my future decisions, and all my actions in the future are dictated by my stories, by what I tell myself about myself. It's also important to remember that we're living many stories at the same time. And some of those stories work well together and some don't. When they don't work together, either because they're in direct conflict or because two stories are struggling for dominance, this can create psychological friction. And as we've spoken about last season, psychological friction is something that needs to be settled. When two stories are in direct conflict, one may take over the other. And so, for example, being a good parent versus being a bad parent. If a person believes they're a good parent and their story is that they're a good parent, but now there's all these events happening 
that are starting to push the story that they're not a good parent anymore. They used to be a good parent. Now they're not a good parent. Now the bad parent story is going to start taking dominance over the good parent story. One example I recently heard is a person said, you know, I used to be around the house all the time to help, and now I'm not around anymore. I'm too busy working, and I feel like I'm a bad parent. It's important to remember that because our lives have many events in them, and we're the one linking them together, we're the one giving them meaning, there will be contradiction and ambiguity in the stories, because life is messy. Because I'm ignoring certain events, or because I'm seeing certain events in, in the light that I'm seeing them, giving them the meaning that I'm giving them, there's going to be contradiction. There's going to be ambiguity. And not only is that okay, but as we'll see later, it's important. Because when we're trapped in a problem or a negative story, those contradictions, those ambiguities, those conflicts give us openings, give us avenues to create new stories in our lives. There's many different types of stories. Um, for example, there's the stories about our past. There's the stories about our present. And there's stories about our future. And they all affect each other. Returning to the client I was speaking about earlier, we were discussing his relationship with his father, which his story had always been that it was a very negative relationship. And that carried into his present because he struggled with his own children because his ideas of being a father were formed by his own father and his view of that relationship as negative. And so not only was he reliving what his father did with him in a certain way, he was trying to do the opposite and that also wasn't working. And so his present story was that he was also a bad father. And his children at this point, his children are not really speaking with him. And so his story about the future is that his children will never speak with him, that he will never have a connection with his children. And what we ended up doing was going to his past relationship with his father, working on that story, as well as working on his present story of what it means to be a good father and what it means to have connection with his children. And what he's doing right now to perpetuate that lack of connection. And we're also reauthoring, changing the future story of whether or not he will have a relationship with them. It's also interesting because we tell stories about ourselves as individuals, but families and communities also have stories. And so, for example, some families might view themselves as nighthawks, as late people. We can stay up late and wake up early in the morning and function. Some families have stories that were very warm and loving and so if somebody marries into the family that is not as affectionate, they're now fighting that family's story. They're becoming part of a story and don't necessarily fit in. And communities have stories. And so, for example, if you look at New York City and you look at L.A., both of those cities have a story about how the people within that story act. New York is more of a hustle. L.A. is more laid back. It's a story that the community is telling about themselves. Our cultures and our communities have very strong influences on our personal stories. They all kind of mesh together. So the community affects the family, the family affects the individual. And when we're looking at our own stories, it's important to realize how our culture and how our community and how our family helped us write our own story without us even realizing it. And this is one reason why two different people from different cultures or from different families can experience the same event and walk away with two different meanings. Because as I said before, we give the events in our life meaning, as well as stories from one part of our life affect the other stories in our life. So if I'm successful in business, I carry that story of success with me, and it may affect how I view my relationships. If I believe myself to be a successful person in one area, 
I am also likely to carry that story of success into other areas of my life. Now, with all this meaning going on, as we mentioned before, in order to create the events linked in sequence across time, we have to ignore a lot of stuff. We have to ignore a lot of events that happen, a lot of scenes in our lives. When the story is dominant in our lives, we give more meaning and more attention to the events that support those stories, and we give less attention and less meaning to the events that contradict those stories. And so if I believe myself to be a caring person, I'm going to ignore or I'm going to give no meaning to the events that don't support that story. Sometimes it's more obvious than others. And and as a therapist, I've seen different reactions that people have as we go through their lives and as I point out the exceptions. Sometimes people are very receptive and they're like, huh, how about that? And they're happy to have seen exceptions in their lives. Other times people immediately, the story is so strong, they immediately start explaining it away. But that's different because whatever. And sometimes it's both. First, the how about that? And then the that's different. Or that's different. And later on, how about that? Acceptance and seeing that there's something different, that their story is not completely true. And so, for example, uh, I was working with a woman who had been abused by her her father and her brother. And uh, she, she, had a, she carried a lot of shame and guilt because she felt like she hadn't stood up for herself. She felt like she hadn't fought back and never done anything to protect herself. And as she told her stories, I started pointing out the times that she had, the little things that she had done in her situation to fight back against the abuse that was going on in her life. And as we discovered these events, her story about herself changed. Not only did it change, but it affected other areas of her life. She stopped isolating so much. She wasn't as depressed. She started sleeping better because her story about herself changed. And so the events that lack meaning, and so these ignored events that lack the meaning that we give the events in the main or dominant stories, become more important when we find them. In narrative therapy, these are called unique outcomes. And I once had a narrative therapy teacher who said it's like walking in the forest, and you see little glowworms. So it's all dark. You're walking along, it's all dark, and you see the little glowworms. Here's one, here's one. And that's what it's like finding a unique outcome. Everything seems dark. And then you find one little tiny spark of light here and one little tiny spark of light there. And in narrative therapy, where we're connecting events across time to retell our stories, reauthor our stories, these unique, these unique outcomes become the events that we connect one to another to create a new reauthored story. And when we begin to see these other events, a couple of things might happen. Either we're going to change the dominant story or we create a new story, a new parallel story. And so, for example, with my client before, who felt that he wasn't a good father, we, we found that the good father story was only giving meaning to the events that were happening when he was home with his children. But we started to include events when he was a good father, not at home. And what he, he discovered about himself was that his going to work, his being at work, was providing for his family, and that was a part of his story of being a good father. He was ignoring that piece of it. He was ignoring the other events, but when we found these unique outcomes, he was able to incorporate them and change the dominant story. So he still had the same story of being a good father, but it changed. Or you might create a new story. For example, if a person believes that they're lazy, we can help find times in their life when they were not lazy, when laziness was not present, when they were actually very active, very proactive. 
and a new story might be created where the person sees that they're not a lazy person, and in fact, they're a very proactive person. Or that both things might be true at the same time. Sometimes they're lazy, and sometimes they're proactive. And by feeding one over the other, maybe sometimes laziness is a good thing. Maybe it's not really laziness. Maybe it's knowing how to relax when it's important to relax. Now, in a later episode, we're going to learn about the two main types of stories, problem stories and preferred stories, and how we can heal from going from a problem story to a preferred story. And if those terms confuse you, don't worry. You don't need to know them because we're going to speak about them a different time. This week, I just wanted to bring to the forefront this awareness of the stories that we have and how they affect us. And I wanted to get people thinking about the stories they tell themselves about themselves and how that affects their behaviors, how that affects their attitudes. Just thinking about it, just becoming aware of it can be very powerful. As always, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you to anybody that shares this on social media. I truly appreciate it since I myself am not on social media. Thanks for everyone that's been contacting. You can get in touch with me at 732-523-0061 or email thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you use the ideas that we spoke about this week to really start examining the own stories in your life. And until next time, remember, go out, believe in yourself. Thank you.